welcome to the Entirely Koala Queen podcast. I'm your host, Megan Shaler. On this podcast, I talk about real life. I share my stories about my life and how I navigated my way through with severe anxiety, addiction, and codependency. It's honest, it's real, and a little bit quirky. I'm a single mum of two special boys. My mission in life is to help us break the stigmas surrounding mental health, unravel our conditioning, and have uncomfortable conversations that lead us into self-acceptance. I plan to bring you weekly episodes where we dig deep into the big topics. Please join me on this crazy ride where we can laugh and cry together. Hey, hey, hey guys. Welcome back to the Entirely Koala Queen podcast. How are we all doing? It's the Sunday of after Halloween and we've had full moons, we've had Mercury retrograde, we've had even a blue moon this month. Do you know what a blue moon is? It's when in the month you get two full moons. I thought that was weird because I remember the like the moon already being full this month and then I looked out and I'm like, hang on, why is there another full moon this month? And then I read, it only happens once in a blue moon. And that's why we have that saying. You guys can thank me for that next time you're at a social gathering and you want to spit out a random fact and everyone just goes, oh, okay, it's awesome. All right. So I have had a super productive weekend. I'm pretty proud of myself. I, over the weekend, asked you guys about sobriety and if you would be interested in some podcasts about it. And if you had any questions, you could submit them to me and I would answer them. And I got lots of questions about that. So I dare say that this podcast will be broken up into a couple of parts because I don't want to release like a one hour episode. I think it's good for them to be between 25 to 30 minutes. Uh, So I'll break it up for you. But today... What I'm actually going to talk about, because I haven't really spoken about this in too much detail, this is like a little new release part of my life (laughs) that I'm letting out, Um, but it feels really good and I'm not feeling as nervous as I used to. When I first started this, when I'd sit down to do it, I would be packing shit and I'm not doing that as much anymore. I'm feeling more relaxed and it's a really good feeling, but what I'm going to be talking today is what was my story with alcohol and why did I stop drinking? Because let's face it, every single person that has an experience with too much alcohol, we all have a different story. Not one story is the same. So today I'm going to tell you my story. Just still want to just put that extra thank you out there for the questions. I really, really appreciate the input so much, you guys. It's just forever grateful for your support. Now, sometimes when it comes to my sobriety as well, I realize that I kind of brush over it like it's not a very big deal. And that's really crap, actually, because it is a big deal and I do need to celebrate it more. And I think by celebrating our sobriety and how far we come in that journey, it helps us to be able to be grateful and move forward and and know that there's so much to live for. 
Um, now, the funny thing is, before writing this episode today, I didn't even think I classed myself as an alcoholic. Um, I would class, I would have classed myself as a very heavy binge drinker, because I, you know, you know me, I do like to be extreme like that. <laughs> My binge drinking has always made me feel very, very sick, though, and quite often after drinking, I would experience alcohol poisoning for days. And another issue with my binge drinking or even my drinking is that alcohol makes me feel uninhibited. And my ultimate fear pretty much every time I drink is that I get cravings for drugs or, you know, any other substance. I always want to go that little bit further. In fact, the whole time I'm drunk, I'm fighting the urge to have cocaine, basically. And that's what happened to me a lot during COVID. Um, I was on the phone to an old friend and I was actually considering asking him over to get on the coke. And the next day when I woke up not having done that, I was so grateful because I have been clean from drugs since 2014 and you know the fact that like my mind has always gone there I'm always thinking about the drugs when I've been drinking but it was the fact that I was about to act on it I knew that I had to stop drinking I knew that it was only a matter of time before that little devil on my shoulder nudged me over the line and I had worked way too hard on myself to ever let myself go there again. So if you have listened to my earlier podcasts, which I'm hoping you have, kidding, you can start anywhere really, it's up to you. But if you've listened to those earlier podcasts, you would know that I've always had issues with substance abuse pretty much from my late teens, all through my 20s to my early 30s. So the first time I gave up alcohol was at the age of 32 and I was sober for four and a half years. Now, when I first drank again after four and four and a half years in sobriety, I, I believe it started off as normal drinking behavior. I wasn't concerned about the amount that I was drinking at all, but it wasn't until around the three month stage where I first had my, you know, my first bout of blacking out and having alcohol poisoning. And of course, what always brings it out of most of us is a wedding. I went to a wedding and I drank two bottles of wine. I remember actually by the end of the night, holding the bottle of wine in my hand and just drinking from it. And I was having a great old time dancing, singing. It's not like I was just sitting there wasted. I was really, really merry. Um, the next day, I found all these videos in my phone. I will share them to my Instagram. I'll put them to my stories. Like, I am so drunk in these videos. I can barely speak. I can barely open up my eyes. But they're still. I can still see the funny side to them. But the issue was that I didn't remember making them. I do remember vomiting my guts out at around 4, 4 a.m. I couldn't stop vomiting. And I fell asleep that night laying on the floor next to the toilet. So that was a good night. 
Um, the next morning, I woke up so incredibly poisoned from alcohol. I was vomiting every 20 minutes or so. And I remember being in this lovely hotel, very quaint, lots of normal, happy people walking around in the morning outside in the sun. And we were leaving and we were getting our suitcases. And there I was just vomiting into the garden bed, broad daylight, 10, 10.30 in the morning, you know, that kind of thing. And I remember the ride home. The whole ride felt like I was on a merry-go-round or something because it was just pure motion sickness, pure alcohol poisoning, had the shakes. I get the shakes like I've got Parkinson's, like so full on. And I was also very used to or very familiar with alcohol poisoning all through my 20s. It's how I basically spent every weekend completely wiped out with alcohol poisoning. So I'm going to take you on a little bit of a flashback back to my 20s. <laughs> Let's take you back to the night before my engagement party. Now, most people, when they're having an engagement party, probably have a quiet night at home. They might have dinner, maybe watch some TV and go to bed by, you know, 10 p.m. at the latest. Not I, not I. I had to have a pre-party engagement that was with my, at the time, my fiancé. He ended up becoming my husband and therefore my ex-husband. What will we call him? We'll call him my fiancé at this point. And a couple of friends. And we got totally wasted. We were drinking bottles of champagne. We were getting on substances. Let's just say substances. And I just wiped myself out. Now, I remember taking some still knocks because it wasn't uncommon for me to, if I was getting on it, we'll call it getting on it because that's actually the terminology that I <laughs> used and that's what we say. So, you know, when I'd get on it and especially if I had a bedtime or a curfew, which I believe was like 2 a.m. in the morning, I was like, oh, better get home, 2 a.m., Better have a still knocks because at least I'll be able to sleep then. But still knocks after two bottles of champagne and all the substances isn't really a great hallucination. Um, still knocks. Did I just say a great hallucination? Oh my god, I didn't mean to say that, but that's exactly what happened to me. I ended up having a uh, a hallucination on the still knocks mixed with the alcohol. Uh, I woke up the next day. I remember waking up the next day in my bed. I was incredibly sick and I had no idea why. And I asked my ex and he filled in the blanks or my fiance at the time. He filled in the blanks for me. So on the way home, I was normal at one point. Well, normal for me being very, very drunk and on still knocks and not unconscious yet. And apparently the last thing I said is, who was that sitting there? So that's the hallucination I was talking about. And he said that that night when we got home, he went into the bathroom and he found me on the bathroom floor and I wasn't wearing any pants and I was vomiting in the bathtub. Now, I was like, 
not okay with being naked in front of my fiance in a house with my parents. Like my fiance could never come anywhere near me in that house if I was naked. I just, ill yuck. And the fact that he had to pick me up, put me into my room and dress me and put me into bed. Like that is not something that I would choose to do. Yeah, that's not cool. That's not cool. So anyway, he did that a lot in our relationship. He was very much my cleaner-upper, bless his soul. I didn't honestly think that I was going to be able to make my engagement party. I remember that I had to get my hair done and I had to go to the hairdressers. I couldn't even drive myself to the hairdressers. My alcohol poisoning was so severe and my body shakes were just, no, no, not driving a car, had to be driven there. Um, My hairdressers knew that I was like a full-blown party animal. So thank God, you know, I'm the kind of person that will go to a hairdresser for seven years before I have to change for some ungodly reason. So my hairdressers very much knew me and they liked me. I always make really good friends with them. And I remember that during my hair appointment, I had to keep running to the back basins where they wash your hair to vomit. So that was a lot of fun. But me being the fantastic party animal that I am, backed up perfectly well for that engagement. And as soon as I arrived to the engagement party, I was on the tequila shots. And guess how long I partied after that? I went for another 48 hours. Now, my mother-in-law or my mother-in-law-to-be at that point or now my ex-mother-in-law, I don't know why I have to go through these like labels every time. Please forgive me. Um, now, she by that stage was so conditioned to my behavior that every time I arrived back to their house after a weekend of drinking, She used to have my vomit bucket ready on the bed with packets of chicken noodle soup so my ex could look after me and go and make me soup because chicken noodle soup used to be the only thing that I could hold down in my body for days. This was a part of basically my character. People knew that I did this all the time. But it was never a thing where people were like, oh, wow, that's really unhealthy. Are you sure you don't have a problem? It was in, in the time and the place, it was a funny thing. People, it was like an endearing quality that, oh, you know, Megan needs her vomit bucket and her chicken noodle soup. Ha, ha, ha. I thought it was funny at the time. I still think it's funny now. But I can see it a little bit more clearer as, wow, like that chick has a problem. And my... My ex-husband's parents weren't drinkers, but I do love how they just accepted me and they loved me for exactly who I was. And that was beautiful. I really appreciated that. Now, also, the day I walked down the aisle, my wedding day, I was drunk. My bridal party, I had four bridesmaids. And in the morning of getting ready for my wedding with my parents and maybe like a couple of aunties, We went through 13 bottles of champagne. As I walked down the aisle, I was like, princess, like lady, die. Hi, 
just waving, smiling. During the ceremony, I laughed and cracked jokes all through it. I was such a crowd pleaser. Honestly, the reason why I got drunk that day is because it was the only way that I could cope with the overwhelming emotions that I had. And back then, I had zero idea on how to process any emotion. And then there was during my honeymoon. Oh my goodness. I wiped myself out that many times. And in the end, my ex-husband was getting really pissed off because I wouldn't be able to attend the tours that he had booked to take us out and to do fun things. I couldn't get to it because I was bedridden and vomiting. Um, On one occasion, I actually got horrific food poisoning and I ended up in hospital and my my ex-husband, or my husband, here I go again, he actually didn't believe me. He thought that it was just another hangover until he saw that I hadn't drank. I had been up vomiting for 24 hours and I looked like I'd lost about 25 kilos. Then he was like, oh, we better take you to hospital. I went to hospital. They put me on a drip and I had medication, but that was definitely food poisoning. I ate, um, I ate like a seafood marinara and it made me so sick. Yeah, that was actually such a funny trip to the hospital that day. I um, Let's just say I had it coming out of both ends. It was really, really bad. I have to tell you guys this story because this was such a bonding experience for us. I had to get a stool sample and I kept trying to collect it. They wanted me to like put it in this spoon and then put it into a sample jar And it didn't matter how hard I tried. I just could not catch my stool in a sample. So after hearing my frustration, my ex-husband was, do you need me to help you with that? I'm like, yes. So here he was catching my stool for me in a spoon to put in a sample jar. And that was very much a bonding experience for us both. I eventually got out of hospital and very much enjoyed the rest of my honeymoon and I think that experience actually calmed me down. I don't remember wiping myself out after that. So, yeah, at least I got to enjoy the rest of that. And, you know, there were so many times I went to work functions and I'd come home absolutely wrecked. I remember I had just started my job. I hadn't been there very long, maybe a few months. And we had a really, really big award night. And it was 3 a.m. I still wasn't home. He was calling me, totally stressed out, wondering where I was. So when I got home, I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I we, we lived in like a split-level house. And I had about, I don't know, seven stairs to walk down to come down into the lounge room. I got one step in and then just tumbled down the stairs and then just jumped up like, I'm good, I'm fine. But, you know, there was other times where, you know, I got brought home drunk by my work colleagues. There was one time where two of my male work colleagues had to carry me to my front door and just hand me over to my husband. And 
You know, it was just, it was a, it was out of control. It was out of control. I couldn't handle my alcohol. It wasn't the amount of times I was drinking. It was how I couldn't handle it. But one night, my ex-husband legitimately, legitimately saved my life on alcohol. It was my first night out uh, on the town after having Riley. Riley was 10 months old and I was pretty good, you know, after I had the kids. I remember at around six months I'd start partying again, but it wasn't obsessive. It was just, you know, maybe once every couple of months. So I definitely wasn't used to having alcohol in my system this night when I went out for a friend's birthday and we were in the city and I had five cocktails but my body was not used to that much alcohol. And we had a big night. It was massive, carrying on, you know, how it is when you're on the town after your first night, after having a baby. And I remember driving home, like I wasn't driving, I was sitting in the back seat of the car. And this song came on the radio. And I remember that I got really emotional and I started just bawling my eyes out, like ah, fully just howling because that's what would happen to me. I was such an extreme person that I was main, mainly always a happy drunk, but um, I could also be a big crying drunk. I remember several times just sitting there sometimes just crying because I'd just become so overwhelmed with emotions. And this is what happened this night. So I was sitting in the back seat and I was just crying and I actually, I actually remember calling my husband and just being like, I'm just crying down the phone. And imagine that from his, his side of just minding his own business on a Friday night and just getting a call with his wife crying down the phone. You know, that's got to be worrying because it, I don't even know how he knew I was okay, but it, it worried him. And after that call, I just remember I became so overwhelmed with emotions that I began to vomit and I was sitting in the back seat. I was in traffic. I didn't know how to ask them to stop. So I thought that it would be a fantastic idea just to vomit in my handbag all the way home, right? Such a good idea. Um, and when I arrived home, my husband had to get me out of the car. I wasn't able to walk. He got me upstairs, he put me in bed, and then he started the horrific task of cleaning out all the chunky vomit from my handbag. The vomit was all caught inside my wallet, and he had to individually take the cards out of my wallet and wash them. And he just thought he'd better check on me. He came up the stairs, and I was sitting in the bed, and I was looking for a place to vomit. He got me a bucket and, you know... Thankfully, I got it in time and I didn't have to vomit all over the bed. And after he's done all that, he's put me back into bed. And by this stage, he is not happy with me. And he goes downstairs to finish cleaning my wallet and my bag. And as he was doing this, he got this strange feeling to just go and check on me. And as he got up the stairs, he approached me. I was lying flat on my back, passed out vomiting in my sleep, choking. He had to turn my head to the side so I didn't choke. And I was so lucky that night. The sad thing is the next day was supposed to be our planned wedding anniversary date and I couldn't make it. So for all those reasons, here I was thinking, okay, 
I'm vomiting in a bush. This is my, I don't have a husband anymore. You know, we're fast forwarding 10 years and this behavior can't spiral because if it does, I can't go back to my old ways being a single woman. There's no one taking care of me. I've got two kids to look after on my own, you know, being a binge drinker with no control over my life is not the way forward. Now, the thing is, after that night, it's like I got a little curse because every single time I drank after that night, when I partied with my friends, I always ended up vomiting and having alcohol poisoning the next day. So it appeared that my normal drinking run had come to an end. I was back to the binge drinking and my body wasn't coping just like 10 years before that. So being aware of this and knowing I never wanted to return to the old Megan drinking cycle, I was able to refrain on and off throughout periods. But my drinking always increased when my boyfriend Ben would come over to visit from the States. And I think that's because I was still so uncomfortable with intimacy and having a man in my space in general. I wasn't healed. So when you're not healed, like, I just found him so triggering, even though like I was really attracted. I don't know. It was just a mess. Point is, I always had to be drinking around him to relax. Not a good sign. And this weekend, this was just before he was about to go back to the States, we went to the Hunter Valley. And that was another example of my drinking was going too far. I'd become really good at keeping up with Ben and alcohol, like with alcohol We would drink half a bottle of Crown Whiskey together and we called it our little drink-a-drink. And I'm not sure what happened this day, but I remember only having one tequila shot and about five whiskeys. And we were sitting in the spa all night talking. And it was a great night. Uh, After a few hours, we got out of the spa and I remember that the doors were playing on the speaker radio thing And I got out and the last thing that I remember is doing a naked dance across the hotel room. I woke up the next day, I was naked in bed and absolutely reeking of alcohol, disgusting. You know that body smell that you get the next day? It's so gross. I turned around and I looked at Ben. His first question to me was, how do you feel? Then all of a sudden, I had to run to the toilet to spew my guts up. As I got back to bed, I was violently shaking. And he said, do you remember last night? And I looked at him and I told him the last thing that I remembered was my naked dance. And he said, do you remember having sex? And honestly, for the life of me, I had no memory of having sex with him. It wasn't there. He told me the story. So my naked dance song thingy, it resulted in us having sex. And he said that I had to stop having sex because I had to go and vomit. And he said that I began to vomit so violently that he was desperately trying to help me, trying to stop me, hold my hair back, get me water. Then he told me that I completely wet myself. And he had to run another bath and he put me into the bath and I was basically a dead weight, only waking up to vomit again. 
and eventually he wiped me down and he put me back into bed. So some of the memories from that actually came back to me about four days later. I got them in very, very tiny flashbacks. And I was pretty mortified because we had only been together for a few months. And the majority of that time, he was in another country. So basically, the relationship was still pretty fresh. So that didn't make me feel great, you know. Thankfully, after that time, there wasn't too many, there's not any more blackout stories. That was the last time that I blacked out. Then returned to the States a few days later. And then I became very careful again about the amount of alcohol that I was assuming. Because again, I always had it in the back of my mind. I don't want to return to that girl that I was in my 20s. And my drinking pretty much went back to normal type drinking again. And it wasn't until Christmas of 2019 uh, that it became escalated again. Ben returned to Australia for the third time. And I didn't go back to the crazy binge drinking as much. But the steady drinking is what occurred. And I hadn't had the steady drinking before. This was, I needed to have alcohol to get through my day. If I didn't have a drink each day, I became terribly agitated. And the issue was my tolerance built up. And it was so easy for me to finish a bottle of wine. And the half, like a bottle of wine was not even giving me a buzz. I started to need to switch to different alcohols and spirits in the hope that I would get that buzz back, but it's like I couldn't find it. When Ben left after two months, I was not able to stop drinking. It was how I dealt with the pain of missing him so much, and it was just this nasty habit that I had gotten myself into. And then we broke up right at the beginning of COVID. And once COVID happened, it felt like I had all the permission in the world just to get shit-faced. I started drinking at 1pm in the afternoon and I would even drive to the shops drunk because it was like at that time there was no rules. It felt like a free time. Now, please let me tell you that this was on my weekends without the kids. The kids were never in the car when I was driving like that. But I shouldn't have been driving like that with or without kids. It was just wrong. But I had lost it. I had lost my shit. And I got so sick of waking up on the weekends hungover. Even when I had the kids, I was still hungover. I just wouldn't drive and I'd drink later in the day. But I just got so tired of that. Now, get this right. I wasn't even partying. I was alone in my house during quarantine. I knew where this was going to lead. I began to mentally obsess about having cocaine and just how amazing it would be to just have it that one more time was constantly just playing in my mind. The thrill of alcohol was not enough. I wanted more and I was a single woman and I had no man that I had to be responsible for. Okay, so that's my alcohol story That's how I knew that I had to change my ways because if I was going to continue, I knew where it was going to lead. So I'm going to wrap the episode up here and leave you with this story 
But the next story is going to be the questions around alcohol and how I've managed to stay off it. So thank you so much for listening today, guys. It's been really interesting sharing this with you. That was pretty raw. Like even to my standards, that's raw. See you all in the next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Entirely Koala Queen podcast. Please don't forget to follow or subscribe. If today's episode has brought value to your life, please share it to your social media and give it a rating in the Apple podcast app. It helps me so much. Until next time, take care and keep shining like you do. Thank you.